0: Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey, so pull out that outline this morning, pull up your Bible app, follow along with me. We are continuing in our series uh, through the 23rd Psalm today, and I think this is a great one for Mother's Day. Uh, The series is called Living in Victory. And uh, today we're going to be looking at living in victory over a damaged heart a hurt heart or a hurt soul. Because Psalm 23.3 says this, he restores my soul. You know, that's good news because we all need to have our soul, our heart restored periodically. I mean, the reality is life is tough. You know, we get hurt. uh, We get beat up by discouragement, depression and despair. We experience fatigue, failure, frustration and fear fear. You know, we've got all these hidden hurts sometimes from our past. We carry around wounds and battle scars and all this emotional garbage. And in the middle of all of that, our good and loving God, our good shepherd, he wants to restore your soul. So how how does he do it? Well, he does it when you allow him to make some changes in your life to what I think are probably three of the the main things that hurt or damage our hearts from time to time. And I really believe that to one degree or another, we all have to deal with or we all struggle in these three areas. And that's what I want us to talk about today. The first one is guilt. And the change that we have to be willing to make to live in victory is we've gotta let God remove our guilt. Let God remove our guilt. You know, nothing destroys a soul or a heart faster than guilt can. Psalm 38, verses four and six says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. Man, that's a pretty descriptive verse. And chances are it might describe you today. Now there's a couple of you know big problems with guilt. First of all, we all have plenty of reasons to feel guilty, don't we? I mean, we do. And then, secondly, we can't really physically get away from it, right? Because it's in our minds, it's in our heart. You know, even even if you move to a new location, you carry your guilty conscience with you. So what do you do? You know, how how do you get rid of guilt? Well, there are a lot of options out there today, and uh, a lot of people try any number of these. I'm gonna go through these kind of quickly. If you're taking notes, just write these down. You can deny it, you know, just deny the guilt, pretend it doesn't exist. You can bury it. Right, I mean, just push it down deep, sweep it under the rug. Uh, you can minimize it, minimize it. You know, oh, come on, you know, really, it's not that big of a deal, not that big of a sin. Um, you can minimize it. You can also compromise it. In other words, you know, yes, you commit this sin, but then you kind of lower your standards. And if you feel guilty about something, you just say, well, you know, i have trying to change the way I feel about this. You know, um, I, I no longer believe that it's wrong. Uh, you can rationalize it. You know, by saying stuff like, well, come on. You know, everybody does it, right? Everybody does it. Your kids never pull that one on you, right, mom? Everybody does it. Um, Rationalize. Somebody once told me that rationalize means rational lies. Rational lies. You know, when I rationalize my guilt, I'm trying to convince my heart that something that I know is wrong in my head is okay. Uh, You can blame other people. I mean, come on, mom, classically you get blamed for everything, right? You know, But you can blame mom, dad, your parents, you can blame your spouse, you can blame your ex, or you can just beat yourself up. You know, inside we kind of have this idea or this feeling that somebody's got to pay for the wrong in my life, so it might as well be me. Now with all those is some of the options that people employ, let me ask you a few questions. Can guilt ever make you sick? You bet it can. Can guilt cause uh, depression? Absolutely. Can guilt cause you to you know, set yourself up for failure? Without a doubt. You know, there's this little thought that you have in the back of your mind going, you know what, I don't deserve to succeed. I don't, you know, because of what I've done, because of how I lived, I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve, you know, a a loving family. I don't deserve it. And so, honestly, you look at all these options, and I think in our hearts, we know that none of those options work. They don't remove the guilt. There's only one solution, and it is you've got to give it to God. He's the only one that can remove it. First John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Listen, the most basic uh, truth of Christianity is that Jesus has already paid for all of your sin. Every sin you've, you've already committed and all the sins and the mistakes and the regrets in your future have already been paid for. You just need to bring it to God. And you've got to accept what Christ did for you on the cross where he already paid for all of your sin. Listen, there is no other way. All the pain pills you might take will not remove the guilt. All the drugs, all the drinking will not do it. No psychologist, no counselor can remove your guilt. Only the creator of the universe has the power to do that. And your forgiveness, it is not based on how bad you think you've been. It's based on how good our God is. What matters is not what you've done, but what is Jesus already done for you. So how do you, how do you get forgiveness from God? You trust him. You trust him. You don't beg. You don't bribe. You don't bargain. You believe accept Jesus' free gift listen, that is why you know we talk about you know the good news this is why it's such good news is that you can walk out of here today every one of you listen it doesn't matter what you've done, where you're from, what you've experienced you can walk out of here today with a clean slate, a new beginning, a fresh start, a clear conscience. man that is good news but let me ask you a question. What if, though, you know, you ask God to forgive you for something and you still feel guilty about it? What then? Now, if you feel guilty about a sin that you've already brought to God, you have humbly confessed, listen, that guilt, my friend, is not from God. It is from Satan himself. And Satan wants to play that same old trick on you over and over and over again. Listen, this is what he does. So before you commit a sin, Satan minimizes it. Okay, he does, he minimizes it. He says, oh, come on, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, everybody does it. It's not that big of a deal. And so that's what he does before you commit the sin. But then after you commit the sin, you know what he does? He maximizes it. He blows it up. He says, this sin is so big that God could never forgive you. You're a piece of garbage. You're nothing. How could you do that? And you fall for it over and over and over again. How does God forgive? Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You were dead because of your sin and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Now how does, that, how does that happen? He says, then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sin. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record. Another translation says he completely annulled it. That means it's been wiped out. It's been paid for. Now let me ask you, when you pay for a bill, do you worry about it after that? When a bill's been paid for, do you you worry about it anymore? No. The moment you pay for a bill, you stop sweating it. Well, Jesus on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's been paid for. So why why keep beating yourself up over something that God is not beating you up over? You know, why, why punish yourself when he's already, think about this, why punish yourself when he's already punished Jesus for it? In fact, if you keep doing that, you know what you're doing? You're saying Jesus wasn't enough. He paid the penalty so you don't have to. Jesus was nailed to the cross so you can stop nailing yourself to the cross. Bring it to God. Let God remove your guilt and restore your soul. A second thing that can damage our heart, and we all have to deal with it one time or another, is grief. Number two, let God relieve my grief. You know, sometimes um, we grieve because of our own stupid mistakes, I mean, that's true. Sometimes, you know, we do stupid things. We get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. Sometimes we grieve because, you know, we see people that we hurt and love hurting themselves. Sometimes we grieve because of a loss. Sometimes we grieve because we're innocent and somebody has victimized us or hurt us. Now, the fact is you will be hurt in this life. We will all experience pain and heartache and grief. This is not heaven, this is earth. This is this side of eternity. Some days your your heart's gonna be broken. You're gonna feel despair. You're gonna experience sorrow and loss. And if that's where you're at today, I just want you to know that I am so sorry that you are hurting. And I want you to know that our God knows what you're going through. And that he hurts with you. And he cares about you and your pain. And that his love for you is big enough to handle your doubts, your questions, even your anger. And the people in this church, we care about you too. And your pain and what you're going through. And we want to be there for you as a family to see you through this crisis. So what do you do when your heart is breaking? What do you do when grief overwhelms your overwhelms your life. I mean, again, there's some, there's some options out there, just like guilt. I mean, you can throw a giant pity party. You can play the if-only game. You know, you can withdraw into a shell and isolate yourself from other people and just, you know, begin to make that statement and, and live it out where you say, hey, you know what, I'm hurting, so I'm never gonna let anybody hurt me again. So I'm just gonna pull back and kind of, you know, be miserable for the rest of my life because this caused pain and now I'm gonna withdraw. Well, there's another option. You can let the good shepherd restore your soul. You know, the man who wrote this, uh, David, he was very acquainted with grief. In 2 Samuel 12, he, he gives us a little bit of insight on how he handled it. You know, if you know the story of David, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband killed, and he carried tremendous guilt over that. You can read Psalm 51 if you're carrying guilt and how you, how you deal with that. But then he felt tremendous grief Bathsheba has a baby. when the baby was born, it got very sick. And David gets down on his knees and he prays and he fasts. And he says, God, this baby, you know, hasn't done anything wrong. I'm the one. I blew it. I made the mistake. And I'm the one who's affected everybody else's life in this negative way. So save the baby. You know, he's done nothing wrong. But the baby died. So what did David do with his grief? He did several things. And I do think these are things that we need to to walk through if we're gonna allow God to restore our soul. Number one, at some point, you have to accept what cannot be changed, acceptance. 2 Samuel 12, 22 and 23, David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let my child live. But why should I fast when he is now dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day but he cannot return to me. Listen, you cannot bring your loved ones back, but you can go to them one day. You know, maybe you're here today and you've been hurt by your parents, a spouse, or a friend, or maybe you've lost a loved one. All the grieving in the world, is not going to change the past or bring them back. And so at some point, one of the steps to emotional health and to healing and restoration, it's acceptance. You know, accept what can't be changed. I I can't change the past. I can't change the hurts that I've experienced, and and neither can you. You know, this past week, I, um, uh, I I did two funerals this past week, and I used this passage, and I talked about it, and um, one of the funerals, we went to the, a, a gravesite after the service um, out to a cemetery on James Island. And it was the cemetery where my dad's buried. And um, I hadn't seen his grave in a long time. And I told Janet was with me. And I said, Janet, let's see if we can find it. And I kind of knew in general where it was and it just took a few minutes and we found it. And, um, you know, I looked at the, the marker and, My dad was 41 years old when he died, and I'm now 54. It's been a long time, but it just swept over me a little bit. And um, that's grief. But our God, his love is big enough to handle it. And God used it in my life, and he can use it in your life. And I know God didn't cause my dad to die, but he used it. And at some point, I had to come to accept that. Which leads me to number two. At some point, you just have to pour your heart out to God. Psalm 62.8 says, Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour your heart out to him, for God is our refuge. Let him be your refuge. So again, let me ask you a question. What do you do with your, your pain? And, and again, we got some options here. And people do these things. You can repress it. You know, you can just stuff it down. You can rehearse it. Just go over and over and over it in your mind. And you know you know these don't work. You've got to release it. You've got to give it to God. Because if you don't pour it out to God, it will, it will come back out eventually and it'll fester and it'll explode in a much worse situation. Pour your heart out. Not only did David pour his heart out to God, But number three, he also received from others. And you see both of these in verse 20 in chapter 12 where it says, Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. And then he went to his own house. And at his request, they served him food and he ate. Basically, what's he saying here? He went to church. He worshiped God. He poured his heart out to God. And and that, that worship, it gave him a new perspective and a new power to carry on. And then I think this is interesting. He went home, and it says they served him food. So there is a precedent for all the food we take to people, right? You know, when people die, when we don't know what else to do, we just bring food. It's not just a southern thing. It's a Bible thing. Um, But he received from others. And I know this, this just goes against our nature because it is human tendency when we get hurt, when we've had a loss, just to pull back and to build those walls and say, hey, I don't want to be around people anymore. I'm hurting too much. In fact, I just never want to get hurt like that again, so I'm going to pull back. And that really is the exact opposite of what you do need. You see, when you're going through a season of loss, you not only need the support of other people, but you also need the perspective of other people. Because when you're in a season of loss, you don't see the whole picture. It's as though your, your pain kind of narrows your focus and your vision. And so that's, again, why you need God and worship and other people who can help you see the big picture. And I think that's one of the reasons God created the church because that's what we're to do for each other. In fact, I, I'm excited to share with you one of the uh, support groups here at our church. It's called Grief Share. And, and let me just tell you something. Uh this is just a powerful, powerful ministry here at our church. And so tomorrow night, they are hosting a, a loss of spouse seminar. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you've lost a husband, if you've lost a wife, and you're, you're going through just tremendous grief, it doesn't matter if it just happened or if it happened a long time ago, I would encourage you to come tomorrow night, Monday, May the 9th, tomorrow night here at the church at 6.30. And... Uh, you can register at griefshare.org. But even if you don't register, you can just show up. Let me tell you something, you'll receive support and encouragement and, um, and help and hope. So I pray you will. And uh, reach out to somebody that you know maybe and invite them to come. So, so far we've talked about guilt, we've talked about grief, but there is something else that can damage our soul if we let it, and that's grudges, Right? And so number three, got to let God replace my grudges. You know, you you feel guilty about what you've done to others, but you hold grudges over what other people have done to you. And again, I've said this, we're going to get hurt in life. I mean, we are. Life's not fair. People are going to hurt you, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. Either way, it still hurts. And so how you handle the resentments of life in, in, in a large way will determine you know, whether or not you are a bitter person or you become a better person. Somebody once told me that the difference between being bitter and better is one letter, the letter I. In other words, I have a choice to make. I can choose whether or not these circumstances or this person is going to devastate me or will it direct me to a new path. Job 5.2 said, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Why? Because resentment never even hurts the other person, right? Typically, the other person is oblivious to what you're thinking and what you're experiencing. They've gone on with their life, and yet some of you are allowing somebody from your past to hurt you right now. Listen, your past is past. They can't keep hurting you unless you keep rehearsing it in your mind. And this is what's crazy is that the truth is they might be dead and gone, but you are still allowing them to hurt you from the grave. And the Bible says right here in Job that that is both foolish and senseless. You don't hurt them by resentment. Holding on to hurt only hurts you. So what do you do with it? Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Again, life is unfair. This is earth, not heaven. Sometimes innocent people are going to suffer. Sometimes guilty and evil people will prosper. Sometimes justice is not served in this world. But the Bible says that God will one day settle the score. He is going to bring everything into account. He will right the wrongs. He will settle the issues that were left unsettled here. Crime, injustice, racism, sexism, rape, murder, abuse. One day our God will settle the score. In the meantime, the Bible says don't avenge yourself. In fact, what does he say to do instead? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 tells us, get rid of all bitterness. He's talking to believers here. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior because that's what we want to do when we're hurt, all those things. Instead, listen to this, be kind to each other tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. In other words, in the meantime, he says, be kind. To get rid of bitterness, he says, forgive each other. You know, if you've been forgiven, God expects you to be forgiving. We have to be reminded we will never be called on to forgive another person more than God has already forgiven us. One of the great things that I like that Martin Luther King once said was, bitterness is blindness. And so if you allow, if I allow you to make me bitter, it blinds me. It blinds me to the truth. It blinds me to what's good in the world still. All I can see is bad and evil. It blinds me to what God wants to do in my life. It, it blinds me. Uh, you know, in other words, God wants to take the negative and the hurtful and the harmful and turn it around and use it for my good and his glory if I let him. But I can't see that when I'm bitter. You'll never be healed from your hurt until you accept God's forgiveness through Christ and you learn to forgive other people. So look at these big three today. How about you? What is it you still feel guilty about? How about your grief? Are you still holding on to it? Or are you releasing it to God and receiving from others? How about grudges? Are you still allowing people in your past to continue to hurt you in your present? Listen, you got to give all three of those to God. Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to heal your soul. He wants to to heal your damaged heart. He wants to restore your soul if you'll let him. Psalm 42, 5 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Are you downcast today? Well, David's actually using a term here that every shepherd would completely understand. It is a position that sheep would get themselves into and they can't get themselves out of. You see, sheep are built in such a way that when they fall over on their side and then possibly sometimes roll onto their back with their legs sticking up in the air, they can't get out of that position by themselves. They're helpless to get back up on their feet. The position is called a downcast sheep, a cast-down sheep, and it's frightening because the sheep can't get back, you know, can't pick, Get back up. And so it's kicking and flailing in the air. It's bleeding. It's crying out. Because any animal could come along and he would be, you know, open to attack. It's helpless. It's a very serious condition. And so when a sheep is laying there on, a, on its back like that, uh, scientifically, you uh, You know, gas begins to collect in their stomach. Their stomach will begin to harden, cut off the air passage. They will suffocate in a matter of hours. And not only that, their legs will grow numb in that position. And so on a hot day, a cast-down sheep will die in just a matter of hours. Can't do anything about it. They need a shepherd who will restore them. And so when a shepherd restores a cast-down sheep, it, it doesn't happen immediately, by the way. It takes some time. The first thing the shepherd does is lovingly massage the four legs to get some circulation back. And then he'll talk in a very reassuring tone to the sheep just to calm it down. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it. And then he gently turns the sheep over and puts his hand under the sheep's belly, massaging its belly, lifting it up because it can't stand up on its own because its feet are still all wobbly. And then he'll lift the sheep up and he'll hold it there while the sheep gets its equilibrium back and the blood begins to flow in the legs again and it begins to get some stability. And then finally when the shepherd feels like the sheep now can stand alone, it's got its equilibrium back, then and only then will the shepherd lovingly and gently Let the sheep go. What an awesome picture of what God wants to do for you. You see, when you're on your back, flailing around with guilt or great grief or holding a grudge, and you think you might just die in this position, the Lord is your shepherd. And he lovingly comes around with reassuring words and tender hands. And he picks you up. And he holds you until you can get your own feet back again. And he carries you until you get some stability back. You see, Jesus wants to restore your soul. Will you let him? Let him be your shepherd, let him be your savior, and your Lord today. Take all three of these to him, and he will restore your soul. You know, one of the great mysteries of my theology is how can a God that we know is real, but yet we don't see physically, we don't hear audibly, how does he reach down into the hearts and souls of humanity and restore us? And the answer is, I don't know, but I know that he does it. He's done it in my life, and I've seen him do it in countless others' lives. And he'll do it in yours today if you let him. So bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you today for the Good Shepherd, God, I know that in a room like this and the folks that are watching online, we're all dealing from time to time with with grief, with guilt, and with grudges. God, I pray today that we would bring all of it to you. We would pour our heart out to you, lay it all down at your feet, and that we would allow you to restore our souls. Listen, if you're here today and you've not yet asked Jesus, the good shepherd, to be your Savior and your Lord, to to wipe your sin out, and as I said, to walk out of here today with a clean slate, what are you waiting on? Do it right now. Just pour your heart out to him in a prayer. Something like this, dear Heavenly Father, I do admit it, like a sheep, I have gone my own way, I have gone astray, I have sinned, I have... (laughs) I have cursed you. I have walked away from you. Call it what you will. I know it, and I admit it today. But today, Father, I want to come home. I want your loving, assuring words, your touch, God. I need that in my life. I need your forgiveness. And so I believe. I believe that Jesus is who he said he always was, your son, that he went to the cross for me and my sin, but death could not keep him. He rose from the dead and he is alive. And I believe it today, God. I put my faith and my trust in that truth and and that truth alone. And now, Father, for the rest of my life, until you come again or call me home, I just want to follow Jesus. I do. Restore my soul thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.